specific words of Jesus should deal with being a good steward of what he has entrusted to us. Read verses 14 through 30. And I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor as I read aloud. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he who And he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. Where there will be weeping and gnashing teeth. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can be here tonight. Thank you, Father, that with you there is safety. And uh, we can trust you, Lord. Um, I just pray that you guide us in our time together. Lord, as we talk about. Being faithful with what you've provided, Lord. What we have is not by accident. You have chosen to place it in our care. And not for all time, but for this time, Lord. And may we be aware of that. Father, may we not hold what we have so tightly that we're not willing to share. Whether it's our gifts, our talents, our possessions, whatever, Lord. It all is from you. For your word says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So, Father, may we simply be willing, Lord, to share. For you shared it all at Calvary. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There is a story about a family who lived in the city who had always dreamed of wanting to be cowboys, live on a ranch, have a head of cattle. And so they flew out west and went to see some people they had heard about who 
had the same dream and it's kind of a large family and they went out there and they're one of those families that you know wanted everybody to participate and feel like they had ownership and so um, the family had was trying to work on a name for a brand to put on the cattle and and because they wanted everybody to have a, a part in it, and they couldn't totally agree. They decided everybody would get up to share. So they came up with the double R, Lazy L, Triple Horseshoe, Bar 7, Lucky Diamond Ranch. His friends said, wow, what a, what a brand, what a name for a brand. He says, so where are all the cows? And the new rancher replied, well, we had quite a few, but nobody survived the branding. Um, and sometimes, I, I say that, I thought of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, that says, we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And sometimes we, we have this wrong idea that we have to have it together. And we have to know a certain amount of knowledge, or we have to have a certain understanding before we do anything. And... The truth of the matter is, where it's important to grow, where it's important to gain more knowledge, we need to act with what we have. Love builds up. It's not just a matter of getting smarter. It's a matter of giving of yourself. That's what love is all about. And as we look at this, these words of Jesus... Um, just a little background here. In Matthew 24, he is talking to his followers. And he tells them, uh, 24 verse 3, he says, When will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Uh, his followers ask him. And, and he warns them that, um, that he is going to leave and he is going to return. And he's going to come when least expected, as we see that in Matthew 24. And, of course, then in 25... We have those amazing words where he talks about a bridegroom that comes at unexpected time for a wedding and so that the people are waiting. And, you know, you have the virgins who have to have oil in their lamps so that they can be ready when when the bridegroom comes and not be locked out of the wedding party. And, of course, then as he comes to chapter 25, he tells us of the sheep and the goats. And As we come in this section of Scripture... For this particular uh, p- uh, words of Jesus, this parable, it's in between these sections of Scripture. And he talks about being a steward. And I want us to look at six different principles that are listed here, six lessons that we find. Uh, starting at verse 14, what we have is not ours. He says again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called the, his servants and entrusted his property to them. First, very important lesson is we think that what we have is actually ours. That somehow we deserve it. And that somehow we will always have it. But the truth of the matter is, guys, it can be taken from us. Because the truth of the matter is, what we have is a gift from God and it's only for a certain amount of time. And, and that's really hard. Because we forget that. Even our family, even those that we love and we care for, and, 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 and we, they're not really ours. Everything is God's. It doesn't just belong 
to us. And, and in, in that day, as, as the masters, as those who owned the property, they would go on these journeys and they would leave their servants in charge to take care of their possessions. Not just, not just to be able to keep what they had, but they expected them to be faithful and to be shrewd managers in order to even earn more for the estate. And so their job was not just to sit idly, but to be faithful. Psalm 24.1 tells us, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That is an amazing verse. Because it tells us there is nothing beyond the scope of God's ownership. There's nothing that doesn't belong to God. The whole world, everything in it, including you and me, are His. He is the one who's in charge and He's the one who ultimately deserves to call the shots and our lives are brief in this place that we know until we step into eternity. Um, Psalm 39 verse 4 says, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. Because the psalmist says, hey, life is short. James tells us we're like a mist or, or like a vapor. Here for a little while and then we vanish. Uh, Life is short, and what we have can be ripped away from us. I love Corey Timboom's words. She said, I try to not hold too tightly into what I have because it won't hurt so bad if God has to loosen my grip. It might hurt if I wrench it too tightly. Second principle, we're given what we can handle. Notice in verse 15, he tells us, uh, one, he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent. And that description of money, we don't know the exact amount that uh, scholars have told us in that day. It, it would be equal to 20 years worth of work, would equal a talent. So at minimum wage, uh, let's just throw a figure out there, $300,000 for a talent. I don't have an exact figure. We're not talking about chump change. We're talking about a significant amount of money. A, uh, something that's significant. And, and, and so this master, as he gives these talents, he gives five talents. He gives two talents. And he gives one talent. Even the one talent at $300,000 is a lot of money. It is significant. Um, and what we, what we have uh, is significant. God wants us to use it. Maybe you heard about the... Uh, uh, the plane crash, and there were several that were on this island, and there was no way off, and everyone was worried because, you know, there's limited food, there's limited water, but there was one guy, he wasn't worried at all. And the guy said, how can you be so calm? Why aren't you worried? And he said, I make $100,000 a week. He said, well, that's not going to do you any good to make $100,000 a week here. You can't spend any of this money on this island. He said, no, you don't understand I make $100,000 a week, and I tithe. My pastor will find us. You know, you kind of joke about that and, 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 and look at that. But um, the truth of the matter is, what, what we have is just for a time. So the, the guy that had the five talents, that could come out at the $300,000 level to $1.5 million. The second guy with two talents, $600,000. And then, of course, $300,000 uh, for the one talent in order to give to God and to share with Him. Um, third, we must invest 
what we've been given. Look at verse 16. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. Um, He didn't just sit on what he had. He started thinking, God, how can I use what you've entrusted to me? Or, Or master, how can I use what is entrusted to me? We would say, God, how can I use what you have entrusted to me? Um, and then, it, you know, the guy with the one talent, he went, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money and instead of working and, and using what he had been given. Our, our job is to use what we have, not what we don't have. God has given us gifts for a specific reason. He's given us possessions for a specific reason. And he wants us to be open to allowing that to be used for his glory and for, for his work. Um, maybe you heard the story of uh, Antonio who they wanted him to sing in the community uh, choir, but he had kind of a squeaky voice. Then they wanted him to take violin lessons, but he really wasn't a natural musician. But he did discover that he had a knack for woodworking, and he ended up being an apprentice of a violin maker, and then eventually uh, he became very famous as one who made violins and is known for uh, making 1,500 Famous violins at $100,000 a piece. As those um, who are in the, the strut of various violins. Um, a potential of gifts using for God's glory. Zig Ziglar said, you're the only person on earth who can use your ability. It's not so much what your ability is. It's the point that is it God's to use. That's the point he's trying to get out of it. Uh, next one here, a day of accountability is coming. Look at the verse 19 here. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. It's kind of a scary thought. But we will meet our master. It's something to take seriously. He will return. Some people live as if he will not. But he has said, I'm coming back. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And so we need to be aware of him. We, we need to live with that in mind of his return. Listen to 1 John two twenty eight, And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him. That is coming. The picture here is to be about his business. The five gained five more. The two gained two more. And then the one, he just hit his. And why? I think it's interesting here. As we learn about this, we see it's because of fear. Um, With the other two servants, they received affirmation. What did he say to him? He said, great job. Well done. I appreciate your good work and your faithfulness. There was promotion. He says, since you've been given a little and you've been faithful, I'm going to give you more. More opportunities, more blessing. There was celebration. <laughs> he said, let's celebrate. You've been faithful. You've done the right thing. And it's time to celebrate. You've been faithful and done a great job. But the one talent guy on the other hand, look at what he says in verse 24. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered 
seed. The first words out of his mouth was, I knew. I knew that you were a hard man. You see, it was his view of God. A.W. Tozer said that what we think about God is the most important thing about us. If we don't see the love, the forgiveness, and the kindness of God, if we see Him as a harsh tyrant, then we move by fear alone. And in Romans 2, 4, it says that we're not drawn by that, but by His loving kindness is, is what He draws us with. Not, not the fear, but He wants us to be drawn by His love, by what He's accomplished for us at the cross. That would be the motivation. Um, for it says in Second Timothy 1, verse 7, For you did not receive a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power, of love, and self-control. Not to be controlled by that fear. Or in First John four eighteen, I'll um, look that one up, as he shares about our motivation, not being fear, but his love. Harder to there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. When we fully understand God, it's not about the fear, it's about the love. The love drives out the fear because we see that He's done the ultimate act of love. Through the cross that takes away the fear. It always comes out of that. It was because he said here, I was afraid. And so I I dug the hole. I I hid the talent in the ground. And and that fear kept him from stepping out in faith. Matter of fact, contrasting the two servants with the one. um, The first one, the first two were determined to make a profit. The third was determined to not take a loss. The first two were willing to work hard and take risks. The third took no risk. The first two received the gift. The third refused the gift. The first two wanted to advance the master's domain. The third had no interest in what mattered to the master. The first two viewed the money as an opportunity. The third guy saw it as a problem. The first two allowed the master's gift to change their lives. The third refused to let the gift touch his life. The first two invested. The other one wasted The first two saw a blessing. The third guy saw a burden. The first two knew the master. The third guy had no clue. um, Next, what we have, we must use, or what we have, we will lose. Look at uh, verse 26 here in this parable. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. So he says to him, you're not being honest, you're being lazy, you haven't been faithful. And so he lost that talent. He lost that blessing that God had given to him. um, That in the first place was just on loan because it was the master's. It never really was fully his. And of course, that's true with all of us. And the end of that, so tragic, he says, throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a loss of 
opportunity um, with not being faithful. A couple of verses in Proverbs 6, 9. He says, how long will you lie there, sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? 10, 5. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest, a disgraceful son. 13, 4. The sluggard craves and gets nothing. The desires of the diligent are satisfied fully. Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who faith and patience inherit what's been promised. Because the third guy did not use what he'd been given. Uh, verse 28. It says, take it away from him, that talent. The use it or lose it principle. Um, but to be careful what we don't use, we may not keep. And then the last one from verse 29. What we do now is connected to eternity. As he says, uh, For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. We gain as we surrender. We discover as we serve. Blessings come as we are willing to be a blessing to others. The more we hold tight, the more we lose. But it is in that surrender to Christ and in becoming a servant that he shares his heart with us. Uh, it says in Mark ten forty five, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that is our example, to give to others, to be servants. We're called not to bury the treasure, which is Jesus Christ, but to make that treasure known so that others can benefit from the treasure that God has supplied for us at Calvary. Um, let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, thank you for supplying to us father more than what we need you are so kind you are so good lord father you call us not to live in fear but to walk by faith not to be paralyzed by what may happen but to take hope in you. And I just pray, Father, that as stewards, we would have an eye that sees you at work, that we would have a heart that trusts you, and that our feet and our hands and our mouths would all be dedicated to you. As you say in your word, uh, tw Romans 12, 1, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And Father, may that be true of us because, Father, we are yours. May we live as we are, as you've created us and as you've recreated us through Christ. Because your word says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Father, as we prepare to sing to you, may we stand and just say yes to your call. Whatever that may be, Lord. Um, Maybe you're dealing in different ways tonight with those of us who are here. And may we say yes to you. Father, whatever it is that needs to be done to stand up for you, a decision that needs to be made that will bring glory to God, 
maybe that's to trust Christ for the first time. Maybe it's to be baptized and to join the specific fellowship. Maybe it's to do something um, with a neighbor or where we work or at school or um, I don't know, Father, just something to bring glory to you and just give us courage to not live in fear but in courage and to realize that you have provided strength and you want us to use that strength for your glory. So as we stand, as we sing, may we be willing, Father, to say yes to what you ask of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.